0: Network. We continue to to bring in excellent guests and leaders in the healthcare community to discuss health. We've been talking about physical health, mental health. We have several series of reoccurring guests, and shout out to Janelle King, who is presented to us. So every time, every time Janelle is in studio, she is with us via Gomo Health. Who is a sponsor of the show, and we have the 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 opportunity to talk to the illustrious Bob Gold, who is the CEO of Gomo Health. So I'm very excited to to talk to him. He's gonna he's gonna tell us about Gomo Health and, and what they do. Janelle has been in here to to discuss Gomo Health on several occasions, and um, Bob's gonna gonna chat with us for a few minutes and, and tell us about his company. So it's just, it's fantastic to have you on the show Bob I've been looking forward to this and really getting to know you and talk about um, just everything that you're building what I what I really like uh, before we even get into the the healthcare side of it Bob is a is a is a renaissance man and a in a music aficionado and and I really love that so so Go My Health is a is a multi-layered company but we're really going to talk about the healthcare part today we were always looking for different therapies. We're looking when you, when you get into the value-based care arrangements and you get into my world, which is risk adjustment, HEDIS and STARS, we're always looking to have better clinical outcomes. So individuals like yourself stimulate these programs and, and really I'm trying to get my healthcare constituents and, and the people that listen to this show to think out of the box. So tell us a little bit about yourself personally and your business. You know, you guys are very unique. Um, what sparked your interest in healthcare, and how do you apply the, the, the behavioral science and engagement uh, with what you guys do at GOMO Health?
1: Yeah, so uh, I've always been, as a little kid, interested in human behaviors, fascinated with that. So my field of science and expertise is the study of human motivation, activation, and how to develop and foster resiliency in people. And, you know, like everyone else, I uh, there were health care issues in my family. Unfortunately, my wife's sister died of uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma when she was 42 with three kids and uh, all those types of things. So I wanted to apply my expertise on how to activate people better in their own self-care, how to change the dynamics of health care delivery in the industry, especially in underserved and vulnerable communities, so that's what I'm all about. You know, applying that and scaling it.
0: Outcomes are everything. Ultimately, we we those of us on the payer side, we only have so many vendors that we can bring into to the fold, so to speak. We have to partner up with excellent companies like Gomo Health. But we are judged. People like myself that have run health plans are judged by results. Are we are we managing diabetes? Are we managing other chronic illness? Are we right. having better outcomes with oncology? um things like that obesity um and then of course covid what are some of the things that that gomo actually does to improve the delivery service and stimulate positive outcomes
1: yeah so let me just say that we have hundreds of programs running for healthcare plans payers across the country in medicaid medicare commercial and for example we've reduced by over 60% the medical cost of women who are pregnant and postpartum. Mm. We've significantly lowered A1C for diabetics. We've improved HEDIS measures on appointment shows and patient satisfaction. And I could tell you how we do those things, but we have tremendous amount of medical economics data on how we're closing gaps in care around HEDIS, STAR, and NCQA scores.
0: If you are listening on on WOL 95 0.9 0.9 FM in DC or WVOL on Nashville driving around. Um, in layman's terms, HEDIS and risk adjustment in many ways are a report card for, for the health plan that you're on. And, and HEDIS is so important because it's actually measures, it's a measuring stick for where your health plan is and, and rather it's breast cancer screenings or colorectal cancer screenings or management of diabetes, hypertension. It's a measuring stick versus the competitors. And you as a consumer, you have a right to know how well your company is doing in these measures, and you have a right if you don't feel that, that they have the adequate network to support your needs. You have a right to, to go to another plan and, and really look at other plans. Someone like me that's been on the plan side, I want to have the best diabetes management in the state. That's what I've always wanted to do, uh, not just because it's good for the star rating, but it's important that we're actually taking care of our constituents and making sure that they have um, high quality of life and and live long and healthy lives. Um, I wanted to talk to you about health equity because you guys are very much into the underserved communities. And I think health equity has become kind of a buzzword in in healthcare. Um, from from you know I talked you guys are in Asbury Park. I, I lived in Trenton as a kid. Uh, we didn't call it health equity growing up. We called it Trenton makes the world right. takes and all of the most of the letters were burned out. So it said it and aches earl takes you know it didn't have all of the 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 letters and there you see downtrodden communities, um, some of them in New Jersey, many of them on the East Coast. You know, I know, um, you know, Newark very well. Um, some of the some of those areas around Newark, uh, some of the areas in Central and South Jersey. Um, tell us about your quest and your interest in health equity and what GOMO Health brings to the table for health equity.
1: Right. So um, it's actually a fascinating subject, but we have for. Uh, Medicaid and Medicare plans, payers, we have a managed service. It's called our quality and performance improvement that we've closed these gaps. And how we do it is fascinating. So we apply behavioral economics and epigenetics to how we engage. Let me explain what those are in layman's terms. So um, behavioral economics takes into effect people's culture their emotional state, their social factors on how people make decisions. It's, quote, not all rational uh, based on economic theory. So the way payers have chosen to incentivize providers to help their patients and the way they incentivize their own team doesn't make sense in a lot of cases because there's not a deep science. So what we do is we – look at the populations they're serving, their psychosocial issues, their cultural issues and we have a science called behavioral rx and a platform which is in the cloud that engages these members day to day via text messaging so they don't need an app, they don't need to download anything. They're just we're interacting with them and this has proven to significantly increase um the the scores you're talking about in both highly urban and highly rural communities
0: tell us a little bit about uh more i'm very curious about the behavioral science behind it are there is there is this based on case studies is it based on algorithms who are the really brilliant people bob are you are you the are you the architect of this yourself or is this your team how how did you get into the behavioral science world
1: right well i was the original architect here And now we have a team. And we also work with some of the world's leading uh, neuroscientists, anthropologists, behavioral psychologists, and we have a whole team that works on it. But I was the original architect. So um, it's, it's fascinating from a human factors, how people trust or find credible human to humans versus a machine. So if a device tells you to do something, Do you listen the same way? Do you Mm. learn? What does it take to motivate and activate you in your own self-care? So, for example, one of the big mistakes that healthcare plans make and providers, they assume because they're knowledgeable, they're going to tell you something and you're going to act on it. And a lot of people, especially in underserved communities, feel you don't understand who I am. You don't know who I am. I have so many other challenges I can't get to what you're telling me true so gomo what we do is we break it down we address sort of a hierarchy of need in many cases if you're coming out of an fqhc or hospital because you had surgery we first work with you on your psychosocial needs your social hmm. factors and resources uh, if you don't have stable housing you can't really focus on your heart condition right, right? so so, GOMO has a whole program on how to do that that's proven extremely effective.
0: No, I think that that's, that's, that's a phenomenal perspective. Um, what, are, what are, I'm very curious, what are some of the challenges? Because I've seen it from both sides, and, and I've had a chance to be at health plans all across the country. So, I've been at a health plan in Pacific Northwest, I've been in the Southwest at, at Blue Cross of Arizona, um, I was at Highmark. Which was covering uh, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Delaware at the time. I know that they're in, in New York as well now. And then I've been at a health plan that served Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, and Arkansas. So completely different regions of the country. What do you see the difference between rural poverty, poverty, excuse me, and urban poverty? What are the challenges to get? Because I've always said, as as an African American. Um, uh, There's a lot of African-American population in some of the urban poverty centers, like on the East Coast, in Camden, where I was born, Trenton, um, Newark, West Baltimore, places like that. But my experience is the poverty in some of the rural areas of the country is much worse, in my opinion. Um, No access to transportation, no access to pharmacies, uh, food deserts, all of those things. How do you juxtapose um, the, the urban side versus the rural side? And how do you communicate with people from different areas of the country?
1: Yeah. So it's very interesting. And it gets into a deep understanding of epigenetics. Just to make that simple, that's how behaviors and environment and culture generationally affect how someone's outlook and how they look at things. It affects how you react to your DNA and your body. So, for example, there's different issues in in a in a urban environment. Yeah, you have emergency departments. You have people right around the corner in rural communities. The key is two hours or more. If you're two hours or more from, uh, let's say, a health system, the way the families have learned to deal with health within their community is very different. So the way you message if you have two people with the same condition, let's say you're overweight or you're obese. The way you deal with the rural community needs to be different mm-hmm. than the way you deal with the urban community, because a lot of it has to do with uh, upbringing, culture and things that you have been passed down generationally.
0: Now, that that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And that's that's a, a fantastic uh, comment from from Bob Gold, CEO of Gomo Health, because it's something when I was on the health plan side, we, we really look to communicate with people from different zip codes and different backgrounds, and, and try to harness all of our tools and really prepare our provider groups and education in, in different communities. People communicate different. You have to approach them different. And and that's a fantastic example uh, by, by Bob. What we're gonna do is we're gonna cut to a break and um, I'm going to ask Bob uh, some personal questions about, about his life because he's a renaissance man, and, and he's a very interesting um, um, international man of mystery. I'm going to ask him some questions. We'll be back. More to Lance Day Show after these messages. I ain't snitching on nobody from Harlem, man. I give you a couple cats down in D.C. doing they thing, out of town doing they thing, but um, I'm not snitching on nobody in Harlem because when I come home, I'm still going to be the king. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Now my kid Frankie's gonna go with you and he's gonna
1: keep an eye on you, make sure everything goes right. Now you see that guard that brought me in here,
0: He's been taken care of and he's gonna set it up in this joint to get me into the water. And all you gotta do is be there with the boat to pick me up.
1: Look, Tony, this is not exactly... Listen, the contract's already down on your pile. The guys, the guns, the line pits already done. You understand what I'm saying? And from in here, just one button I
0: push. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network.